Hey friends, what up? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Test, Daf 9 of Masech the Rosh Hashanah. Hey friends, who could tell me what Daf 9 talks about? So on Daf Test, we, 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 we continue discussing uh, Yovel. Uh, we're going to get to some interesting sugyas, uh, which is like Toisvis Shabbos, uh, you know, being Mosif Michol Ala Kodesh, adding from the whole, um, the uh, sort of mundane onto the holy. So we will discuss that. We're going to see some sugyas that we've learned in uh, Mesech Yoma, in the context of Yom Kippur. And then other halachas regarding Yovel. Very, very interesting halachas. Um, yeah, very, very interesting halachas. We, we'll get there soon. I'll uh, sort of leave you on shpilkes, leave you on your uh, toes so that you can't wait until we get to those halachas. I won't go into detail now. We'll get into detail later. Um, and then we wrap up with talking about Orla, Shtikl. Uh, friends, let us go weiter. So we are on the uh, Chesamud base. Um Two, four, five lines from the bottom. Last word on the line, Tanya. Four lines from the bottom, Idach, Yovel, He. All right. So, um, what did we say at the end of the daf yesterday? At the end of the daf yesterday, we said that, um, so the Mishnah had said that um, uh, the first of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for Yovel. And the Kasha was, um, I thought Yovel only begins on Yom Kippur, 10 days into Yovel. So we said it's Take. Um, Reb Yo, uh, Reb says that Yovel Taka starts from the beginning of the year. Um, okay, very nice. And we brought a Brysa to teach that. And now we're saying, Tani Idoch, this Taka, another Brysa also where we see this Machlokas between Reb Yishmobin Osho Yochanan Membroka and, um, the Chachamim regarding Yovel. So Tani Idoch, we have another Brysa that says Yovel he. Okay, so we have Yovel. How come it needs to say that? So Yovel he is exclusionary, right? Uh, he is a is a miut. It's a, to, it's sort of limiting. So it says, how come we needed to say Yovel he? What are we limiting over here? So the fishenem Well, because since the pasuk says that you will make holy the fiftieth year, well. Is it possible that, well, just like at the beginning, according to Rabbi Shmuel, Yovel begins at the beginning of Tishrei, right when the new year begins at the beginning of Tishrei, Yovel begins, even though the shofar only is blown on Yom Kippur, 10 days later. Well, I might think that just like at the beginning of Yovel, it starts even before Yom Kippur. So I might think that also at the end of Yovel, we continue Yovel for 10 additional days into the next year until Yom Kippur. So I might think that just like at the beginning, we start right away at the beginning of Tishrei, even prior to Yom Kippur when they blow Shofar. So I might think that also at the end of Yovel, we'll extend it by 10 days into the next year until uh, Yom Kippur of the next year. And don't be so flabbergasted. It's not such a crazy thought, not such a crazy suggestion. Because after all, as we're going to learn in a few minutes, it's sort of standard practice to add from um, the uh, mundane, the non-holy onto the holy. So it's not so crazy to add on, you know, if we say that we're going to add an additional 10 days from the next year onto Yovel, 
you know, we have toast with Shabbos, toast with Yom Kippur, toast with Yom Tif, adding on to these days as we're going to see more in a few minutes and as we've seen in Yoma. So I might think that by Yovel we'll say the same thing. Add an additional 10 days at the end of Yovel until Yom Kippur of the following year. Tamud Lomar, therefore the Pasuk says, don't do that, Yovel he, Shnas Hachamishim. That it is Yovel, the 50th year, Shnas Hachamishim, Atom no, Yovel, the 50th year is Yovel, full stop. The end of the 50th year, Yovel is done. You don't even go one day into the year that follows. And friends, remember, I mean, Yovel comes the day, it comes one year after Shemitah, right? I mean, you have, you have seven Shemitah cycles, culminating with the 49th year, which is Shemitah. Following, followed by another year, uh, which is Yovel, which is the 50th year, which also you don't work your fields. I mean, this is two years in a row of uh, not working your fields and stuff. So comes the end of Yovel, everyone must be exhausted, either that or very well rested. <laughs> uh, and anyways, we say it doesn't go even one day into the, into the 51st year. No, um, when Yovel ends, so it ends. It doesn't extend at all. We don't say, let's add from the next year onto it. Virabonum, top of Tesumar Aleph. And according to the rabbis who say that Yovel only begins on Yom Kippur, on the 10th day. So you don't need this whole Limud, right? Meaning, according to Abishma that Yovel begins at the beginning of uh, Tishrei. And therefore, even before Yom Kippur, it begins. So I might think that also just like before, it begins before Yom Kippur at the beginning. So maybe also we extend it afterwards into the next year, until Yom Kippur, and to which we say, no, Yovel, he, Hamishim Shana, we don't extend it. Only the 50th year, not even one day afterwards. Now, according to the rabbis, though, they say that Yovel only begins on Yom Kippur, in which case they don't say that it, begun, that, that it comes in at the beginning of Tishrei, even before Yom Kippur. And therefore... We don't, we wouldn't have the Havmina to say that, well, just like it begins before Yom Kippur from the beginning of Tishrei at the beginning, maybe also at the end we extend it until Yom Kippur. No, that, that whole thought, that whole line of thinking is irrelevant. Um, because that whole line of thinking is irrelevant uh, because it doesn't begin at the beginning of Tishrei according to the Abbas. So what do they do with Yovel He with this exclusion? So, what we're learning is that you count the 50th year. We don't count the, the year 50 as well as year 1. To the exclusion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that the 50th year is not just the 50th year of the Shemitah and Yovel cycle, but it's also the first year of the next cycle. Right. So, what the rabbis are saying is that Yovel hi shnasa hamishim shana. It is Yovel and it is year 50 full stop. The first year of the next Shemitah and Yovel cycle begins the following year. The following year, the 51st year, the following year is going to be year one of the next Shemitah and Yovel cycle. Um, now Rabbi Yehuda would argue with that and say that Yovel is the 50th year, but it's also the first year of the next cycle. So the rabbis are saying, no, that's not the case. Yovel This is Yovel. It is the 50th year. It is not additionally the first year of the next cycle. No way, no how. To the exclusion of Rabbi Yehuda who says yes way, yes how, that Yovel is the 50th year, but also the first year of the next cycle. Very, 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 very beautiful. 
So let's read from the top. Rabbanu points to the Rabbi Shnasa Chamishim Atamone. You count it as the fiftieth year. Viatamone Shnas Chamishim Veachas. We don't treat it as the fiftieth year as well as the first year of the next cycle. Afugim Dirbi Yehuda to the exclusion of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eloi the Omar Shnas Chamishim Alulchan Alulchan who says that the fiftieth year goes in both directions. It's the fiftieth year of the cycle, but also the first year of the next one. Friends, let's move on. Um, Komash Malan Dilo. Fine. So we say that that is not the case. It is only year fifty. We had assumed, right? Now, what, what did Rabbi Shmuel ben Oshav Yochanan ben Broca say earlier? He says, "Look, since Yovel starts at the beginning of Tishrei, I may have had the thought, the have minute to say that well, just like it starts at the beginning of Tishrei at the beginning, so also at the end, maybe we'll add until Yom Kippur of the following year." And we say, and it's not such a crazy Indian. It's not such a crazy thing that I'm saying, says Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca, because it's standard practice to add from Chol onto Kodesh. It's standard practice to, to add from ordinary days onto holy days. Um, how do we know this? Meaning, nobody seems to be have a, nobody seems to have a problem with the fact that Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca is claiming that adding from regular days onto holy days is standard practice. They disagree with, you know, his, assertion that Yovo begins at the beginning of Tishrei. They don't agree with that. But the fact that we add from uh, Chol onto Kodesh, nobody seems to disagree with that. That seems to be, you know, accepted. So how do we know this? How do we know that we add from um, regular days onto holy days? The Tanya. As we learn in Taka in Abraisa, that the Pasuk says, friends, who can tell me what the Pasuk says? Fine, I'll tell you. You should work for six days. And on the seventh day, you should rest. You should rest from plowing. You should rest from harvesting. And the, Rabbi Akiva assumes that when it says that you will rest from um, plowing and from harvesting, that is not talking about Shabbos. Even though the context of the Pasuk is in Shabbos, it cannot be talking about Shabbos because what's special about plowing and harvesting? You're not allowed to do 39 malachos. Why single out plant, uh, uh, plowing and harvesting? So it must be that the plowing and harvesting isn't talking about Shabbos because it wouldn't make sense to single out these two things in the context of Shabbos. So 39 malachos and Shabbos. It must be talking about um, Shemitah. Don't plow and don't harvest on Shemitah. And we also don't need it to teach about Shemitah because we already have Pasuk, right? Sod Cholosizm, Chaimel Cholosizmo. We already have a Pasuk in the context of Shemitah that, you know, don't work your fields. So then what do we need to learn about Bacharich and Bakotsir, about plowing and harvesting in the context of Shemitah? We're talking about plowing um, before Shemitah begins, i.e. adding on to Shemitah at the beginning that you don't plow certain fields already from a month before Shemitah. So we're adding from before Shemitah onto Shemitah. And also that after Shemitah, if you have uh, fruits that reached a third of their uh, ripening on Shemitah during the Shemitah year, well then even they're, they're going to maintain their Kedusha Shviz even after Shemitah. So we see that we're being Mosif from the Kodesh, right? We're extending Shemitah even in uh, afterwards into the following year, right? Of course, people who like to drink wine. So you always have to keep in mind what year was, what was Shemitah, right? The last Shemitah was 2015. Everyone knows that if you buy uh, wine from 2015 in Eretz Yisrael, so, so, so you have to take a look and, and see, you know, depending on uh, how the grapes uh, were sort of grown and harvested, uh, well, I guess more grown, 
the conditions in which they were grown. So you have to understand how to um, how to uh, treat them. How, you know, how, if, if it has kedusha shvius. So we see that that um, shvius extends shmita extends both before in terms of plowing and afterwards in terms of um, fruits that were harvested that grew during shmita and were harvested afterward. So. Um, so I don't need that pasuk to teach me about plowing and harvesting on Shemitah. Because the pasuk already said, don't uh, sow your field and and, um, and don't prune your vineyard. Rather, says Rabbi Kiva, what the pasuk is teaching us is that already before Shemitah begins, a month before Shemitah begins, um, Certain plowing that would uh, benefit the field during Shemitah is not allowed already from prior to Shemitah. As well as the harvesting that you um, do on either on Shemitah or harvesting the fruits that grew during Shemitah would um, still retain their holiness even after Shemitah. So we see that according to Rabbi Akiva that we learn from there that we add from um uh, the non-holy onto the holy as well as from the holy into the non-holy. Rabbi Shmuel, whereas Rabbi Shmuel disagrees with Rabbi Akiva and he says that no, that Pasuk is talking about Shabbos. Again, if we read that Pasuk, work for six days, rest on the seventh day, rest from plowing and from harvesting. And says Rabbi Shmuel that it is talking about Shabbos and it is saying don't plow and don't harvest on Shabbos. What does that mean? And the point is, it, yeah, we don't have to learn that you're not allowed to plow, you're not allowed to harvest on Shabbos. We know that. There are 39 malachos that you're not allowed to do. We don't need to single these out. However, the reason why the Pasuk is single, singling them out is to learn something from it, which is, just like plowing is uh, volitional, there is never any chiyuv to plow your field. Even for the Korban Omer. Right on the second day of Pesach, we offer the Omer offering, which is bar, a barley offering. So there is no requirement to plow the field for the Omer offering. If you find a field that was already plowed, you don't have to plow the field, right? And therefore, just like there is no instance ever where you have an obligation to plow a field, plowing a field is always optional. Therefore, we're saying that just like plowing is always optional, so the harvesting that would be forbidden on Shabbos is optional harvesting to the exclusion of harvesting the Omer offering that you actually must harvest it. That if you get to a field and you find some uh, stalks of barley lying on the ground, you cannot use those stalks. You have to actually harvest the stalks that you're going to be using for the Omer offering. And therefore what we're saying is that on Shabbos, what, what plowing and what harvesting is forbidden? Optional, volitional plowing and harvesting. But um, harvesting that would be obligatory, such as if the, um, the second day of Pesach falls out on Shabbos. Um, so then, to, you know, in order to offer the Korban Omer, you have to harvest the Korban Omer, and that is an obligation. You have to harvest it. So that is Doha Shabbos. You are allowed to do that on Shabbos. Right? So Rabbi Shmuel Omer says, Rabbi Shmuel, just like uh, plowing by definition is uh, volitional, also harvesting um, what would be forbidden on Shabbos is volitional harvesting. Omer to the exclusion of harvesting the korban Omer show mitzvah, which is an obligation. It's a mitzvah, and that would be doche 
Shabbos. That would over, right, you'd be allowed to harvest that, uh, the, the Omer on Shabbos because it is not volitional, it is a mitzvah. Well, if that's the case, that Rabbi Shmuel is learning from the Pasuk that, um, is not talking about adding on to Shemitah, rather it's talking about the basically halacha by, by Korban Omer. So then, how does he know? How does Rabbi Shmuel know that there's a mitzvah to add from the from unholy days onto holy days? So he learns it out from the following brayse that we've seen in Masech the Yoma. You have to. Um, uh, what, what does Vinisa mean again? To um, um, I don't know. Make yourself feel really uh, modern. Um, to, uh, to torture, no, not to torture to yourself, to, um, you have to, uh, oh, give out, um, um, to afflict, afflict, afflict. So, so the Pasuk says you have to afflict yourself on the ninth day of Tishrei. What do you mean? You have to afflict yourself on the ninth day of Tishrei? I thought you have to afflict yourself on the tenth day of Tishrei, on Yom Kippur. Therefore, it says, yeah, at night. At the ninth day, at night, you afflict yourself. So does that mean specifically once it gets dark, i.e. when Yom Kippur kicks in, that's when you start afflicting yourself? Well, the Pasuk also says in the ninth day. So there seems to be some kind of interplay between the ninth day and 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 Yom Kippur. Right? On the one hand, we're saying, so you should afflict yourself on the ninth day. But that doesn't make sense. Okay, so you afflict yourself by Erev at night. But then what about the point that it says the ninth day? So the answer is that you that you already begin afflicting yourself on the ninth day. That not the entire ninth day, but you also don't wait entirely till night. A little bit before then, you begin afflicting yourself. Which therefore teaches us that we add from Erev uh, Yom Kippur, from a regular day, from an ordinary day onto Yom Kippur onto a holy day. All I know is that we add onto Yom Kippur at the beginning. How do we know that we also add onto Yom Kippur at the end? Therefore, the Pasuk says, from evening until evening. We compare the two evenings that just like the first evening when Yom Kippur comes in, we begin, we afflict ourselves a little bit in advance. So also, at the end of Yom Kippur, we continue to afflict ourselves a shtekel. Any Ella, Yom Kippur and Shabbosos Minayin, all I know is Yom Kippur. Fine, so there's Tosfis Yom Kippur at the beginning and at the end. How do I know that Shabbos Oichit, that also on Shabbos, um, there is, um, there is, uh, Tosfis Shabbos, the add on to Shabbos. Tabulomer Tishbisu. In that same Pasuk, Rabbi Erev, Ad Erev Tishbisu Shabbatchim. So, in that same Pasuk that we learn out that you extend Yom Kippur, so it also says, that um, the word Tishbisu, which we're learning, includes Shabbos. That this toast with Shabbos, Yom Tov Minayin. How do we know to even include Yom Tovim? Tamilum Shabbatchem. Therefore, it also says Shabbatchem, which we are saying to uh, include Shabbat uh, Yom Tovim. Haketzad Komakum Sheyeshbo Shvus. Whenever there is Shvus, that we don't do Melacha, right? Um, Shabbos, Yom Tiv, Yom Kippur, Mosif Michol Al Kodesh. We add. From the uh, ordinary days onto the holy days, so that is how uh, Rabbi Shmuel learns out um, Tosvis Shabbos, Tosvis Yom Tiv, Tosvis Yom Kippur from uh, those psukim in the context of 
Yom Kippur. Rabbi Akiva, I've been Nisim, it's not Shosechim, but Tisham, I over there. So, what does Rabbi Akiva do with the Pasuk? Right, so Rabbi Shmuel learns out from the Pasuk of Vinisim, it's not Shosechim, but That's how he learns out Tosvis, Yom Kippur, Tosvis, Shabbos, Tosvis, Yom Tif. So, where the, what, what does Rabbi Akiva do with that Pasuk? Because he learns out, you know, that Mosif Michal al Kodesh from Shemitah. So, Mibayle Lechidetani, Chia Barab Midifti, he learns it out from what Chia Barab Midifti taught on one of the first dafs. That we learned together, and brachos. I was still in Indonesia uh, when when we learned that daf um, I remember where I was, uh, or do I? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I remember where I was. Daf I was in the workspace in uh, 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 Chengu in Bali. There was that. What was the workspace called over there? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. There was some workspace there in Bali. It was very nice, Lemaisa, and I was. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about this daf over there. Uh, I think Marco Pony. So um, where are we again? So the Tani Chiyah Barab Midifti, the Chiyah Barab Midifti, Toav Vinisim Es Nafsher Seichim B'Tisha, that you will afflict your souls on the ninth day of um, Tishrei. What do you mean? We afflict ourselves on the ninth day. Valo Basir Misanin. We afflict ourselves on the uh, tenth day. Alo Ma'alacha. Rather, it teaches you, anybody who eats and drinks on the ninth day of Tishrei, it's as though, it's as though he, he afflicted himself for two days straight. And says Rashi, uh, the last Rashi on Tessim in the middle, and since his eating is considered an affliction, the more you eat and drink, the better. The more you, you know, the more eating and drinking you do, the more afflicting you do. So, um, you know, that's why, uh, Yom Kippur, it's good to eat and drink a lot. And now we get up to a very interesting sugya regarding, uh, Yovel. Extremely interesting sugya regarding Yovel, actually. So, Yovel is defined by kind of, I guess, three, uh, maybe Four kind of yeah, I guess like kind of four important things. Um, one of them is that on Yovel it's kind of like Shemitah essentially. You don't work the fields or anything like that. Fine. The other three are that on Yovel you the Abesden blows shofar on Yom Kippur, as we've been referencing uh, yesterday and today. Also, all uh, Jewish slaves go back home. They're freed and they go back home at Yovel. And finally, all properties, right? If Ruvain buys a property from Shimon at Yovel, the property goes back to Shimon. And the interesting thing is that we're going to ask, are certain of these things, um, 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 what's that called? Me'akev, right? Meaning, what if Bezdin doesn't blow shofar? If Bezdin doesn't blow shofar, is it still Yovel? If Bezdin doesn't blow shofar, does that mean that um, it's not Yovel? Does that mean that I can work my field? Is Yovel, is the establishment of this year as Yovel dependent on any of these um, things, right? Freeing slaves, uh, returning property, uh, blowing shofar. Friends, let's figure it out. Tanar Rabban of the Rabbis taught, Yovel, he. So interesting. So Yovel and he. Yovel is inclusive. We're, we're sort of uh, including things in the word Yovel, whereas he is limiting. We are limiting things regarding Yovel. So Yovel Afalpishelo Shamtu. So it's Yovel even if there was no Shemitah's Karkos. Even if uh, Ruvain doesn't give the field back to Shimon, it's still going to be Yovel and nobody's allowed to work the land. 
Even if Bezdin doesn't blow shofar, it's still Yovel. Is it possible that even if people don't free their slaves, it would still be Yovel? He. It says, no, he. He is a limitation to say, well, if people don't return their slaves in Yovel, it is not Yovel. Um, you can work your fields, etc. It is not Yovel. You know, in, in, a crucial part is Yovel is that of Yovel is that slaves go back home, and if people don't release their slaves, it is not Yovel. That's Rebuda's opinion. Biosi Omer, Biosi disagrees. Yovel he, Yovel Afapishelo Shamtu. Okay, so it's Yovel even if there's no Shmitas Kakos, even if Reuven does not give back his field to Shimon, it is still Yovel. Afapishelo Shalchu. It's Yovel even if people do not free their slaves. It's still Yovel. Yochel Afabishel Otaku. Is it possible that even if Bezdin does not blow shofar, it is still Yovel? Tamulomar he. Therefore it says he, which is limiting to say that um, there's a limitation here, which is that if Bezdin does not blow shofar, it is not Yovel. Or to say in a positive light, Bezdin must blow shofar in order for it to be Yovel. Um, fine. And continues Rabbi And Rabbi Yossi continues and explains his reasoning, which is, I have one pasuk that is inclusionary, i.e. Yovel is inclusive, and he is limiting. How come, says Rabbi Yossi, I've concluded that it is still Yovel even if people hold on to their slaves, and yet the Ein Yovel Elim Kaintaku that it, it, Bezdin must blow shofar in order to for it to be Yovel, and if they don't, then it isn't Yovel, right? Says Rabbi says, look, it says Yovel, and it says he. How come I'm including, uh, you know, right, right, that it's still Yovel regardless of whether or not um, slaves were freed, and yet. When it comes to blowing shofar, um, I'm saying Bezdin must blow shofar in order for it to be Yovel. He says, because technically speaking, it's possible that there aren't any Jewish slaves. You can have a situation where there are no Eved Ivrim, there are no Jewish slaves, and if we make the whole construct of Yovel dependent on the freeing of slaves, well, what happens in a situation where there are no slaves? Then what happens to Yovel? It's a bug in the program. And so Zerb Yossi, we can't have a program that's potentially buggy, no matter how rare the um, bug may or may not be. So therefore, he says, look, while it may be uncommon, it's, you know, it's possible that there could be a situation where there are no Evid Ivrim. And if there are no Evid Ivrim, then Yovel is basically stuck. We don't want that. We want to, we have to fix that bug. So, whereas, um, you're never going to have a situation where there are no rams. And since there are always going to be rams, there are always going to be horns available to blow. And therefore, um, you know, it, it makes sense to say that Yovel is dependent on the blowing of a ram's horn because that can always be. And it would be risky and buggy and not good practice to make Yovel be dependent on freeing of slaves because what if there are no slaves? What happens to Yovel? It'll just be stuck. Tavar Acher, Rabbi Yossi offers an alternative. Zo Masur Lebezdin, Vizo Ene Masur Lebezdin. 
that also out of concern for bugs, that um, the shofar is blown on Yom Kippur by Bezdin. So there's kind of one point of failure, which is that we need Bezdin to blow shofar. If they don't blow shofar, so then it's not Yovel. As long as Bezdin blows shofar, we know where to go. We know whose door to knock on to say, hey, blow shofar, so that it'll be Yovel. Whereas, Vizo um, Bezdin. Whereas, um, freeing of slaves is, is, um, dependent on every single yid. You know, there's all sorts, there's lots of yidin in, 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 in Am Yisrael. How are we going to enforce and ensure that you don't have one guy in some far-flung place who's gotten every ivory and he didn't let him go home? So we can't have the whole construct of Yovel be held up by one Shmendrik somewhere who's not um, freeing his Ebed Ivri. And therefore, says of Yossi, for practical reasons, um, it's much more practical for the point of failure for Yovel to be Bezdin blowing shofar than to be dependent on freeing of slaves. Either because you could have a situation where there are no slaves, or you could have a situation where some Shmendrik is refu- refusing to free his slave, in which case um, Yovel is kind of stalled, stuck. My how come Rabbi Yossi felt the need to provide two reasons. Because if you're going to say, if you're going to say, you know, the first reason was, well, it could potentially be a bug in the system. That what happens in a situation where there are no slaves? Then what happens to Yovel? It's stuck. But maybe you'll say, look, I understand. But then again, you know, it's premature optimization. Then again, we don't think that it's something that we really have to be concerned about. The chances are there's going to be an evidivery somewhere. So we're not super concerned. I mean, just like we're not concerned that rams are going to go extinct, we're also not ex- concerned that um, evidivery are going to go extinct. I mean, there's going to be an evidivery somewhere. Okay. So still Rabiosi says, but still at the end of the day, the point of failure thing is relevant, which is that you know, Bezdin is sort of one point of failure. It's one place where we could pound on the doors and say, Bezdin, blow the chauffeur so that it'll be Yovel, right? Whereas it's very difficult to regulate the freeing of the slaves and to ensure that every Shmendrik, no matter where they live, is freeing their slaves. That is less practical. And therefore, says Rubiosi, um, it makes sense that Yovel would be dependent on the blowing of the chauffeur. It does not make sense to say that Yovel would be dependent on every single Shmendrik, wherever they live, uh, freeing their time. Okay, so now the Gemara says, okay, I am Rabiosi, thank you very much. You let us know your opinion. You even explained to us, you even gave us two reasons for why you hold of your opinion. Yehuda says what he says, which is that the point of failure for Yovel is dependent on people freeing their slaves. You know, whether or not Bezin blow shofar won't hold up Yovel. But you need everybody to free their slaves. How come? Because the Pazik says, and then it says afterwards, Yovel he, right? So, means that you will free your slaves, and then it says, Yovel he, which is this limiting thing, right? And therefore, right, we said, Yovel he, he is limiting. So, what is he limiting? It's limiting the thing that came right before it, which is, freeing the slaves. And therefore, he learns out from the Pazik that what the Pazik is teaching is that if you don't free your slaves, well then, it, Yovel is, is stalled. 
holds that a pasuk can be a verse can be expounded before it, but not before the before. Kilo one level before, not two levels before. And if we look at the pasuk, maybe let's take a look at the pasuk. What does it say? Um, we actually have to flip back to yesterday to see the pasuk. It says, "Vavarta shofar trua b'chodesh hashvi besel hachodesh b'makipurim taviu shofar b'cholatzchem." So um, the first pasuk says you're going to blow shofar. The next pasuk then says, "Vikidashim eishnas hachamishim shon akrosim jor ba'aretz." And then it says that you'll free your slaves. And then it says, "Yovelhi." So therefore, it first talks about blowing the shofar. Then it talks about freeing your slaves. Then it says, "Yovelhi," which is which, which he is limiting. So what is he limiting? It's limiting the thing directly before it, i.e. Freeing of the slaves. If you don't free your slaves, Yovel is stalled. It is not applying the limit onto the thing that is two items beforehand, which is um, blowing shofar. Even if you don't, even if Bezin doesn't blow shofar, it's still Yovel. Now the Gemara says, okay, fine. Now everyone seems to be on board with the fact that Jeror is a lashon of freedom. That Jeror is a reference to freeing the slaves. Um, my mashma. How do we know that Jeror is a lashon of freeing the slaves. Titanius, we learn in the Bible, and draw the lashon cheres. That drawer is a lashon of freedom. Amr Buda says, Rebuda, my lashon drawer, what does drawer mean? What does drawer have to do with freedom? Kimedayer beidayra umovil schor bechomedina. That you, if you know, if you can live wherever you want, if you could sleep in any hotel, and you could bring your merchandise wherever you go, i.e. if you have freedom of movement, so then you're a free person. A free person is a fellow who has freedom of uh, movement. And a slave doesn't have freedom of movement. Amr Reb Chiyabar Abba, Amr Yochanan says Reb Chiyabar Abba in the name of Reb Yochanan. Zod Tivrei Reb Yehuda, Reb Yosi. So so far it says Reb Chiyabar Abba in the name of Reb Yochanan. We've seen the opinions of Reb Yehuda, who says that um, um, the limiting factor by um, Yovel is uh, freeing of slaves. Reb Yosi says the limiting factor of Yovel is blowing the shofar in Bezdin. Avol Chachomim Omim Shloshdan Ma'akvosbo. Whereas the rabbis say all three are limiting. If you neglect any one of the three, these three activities, um, uh, freeing your slaves, blowing shofar, returning your property to their owners, if you neglect any, if any of those are neglected, uh, yovel is stalled. Yovel is, is stuck. Because the rabbis say that the pasuk of yovel he, he being limiting, is expounded beforehand. And also double beforehand and also afterwards. So double beforehand in the Pasuk is a reference to blowing the shofar. And then after blowing the shofar, it discusses um, freeing the slaves. Right after that, it says Yovel He. And then after that, it says, and all um, property will return to their owners. So therefore, the rabbis say, look, you could expound before, after, even before the before. Everything could be included in the limitation. Vaksiv Yovel. But what about the Pasuk? It, it also says Yovel He, right? We said Yovel is inclusive. Um, he is limiting. So what are we including in Yovel then? If we're basically uh, limiting by all three factors. So what's included in Yovel? Well that teaches that Yovel even applies outside of Eretz Yisrael. Where Shemitah only applies in Eretz Yisrael, Yovel applies outside of Eretz Yisrael. But it says uh, in the Pasuk Ba'aretz. In the land. Right? Across and draw Ba'aretz. It'll be a jubilee in the land. In Eretz Yisrael, ha'hu, what we learn out from there is bizman shenoig drar ba'aretz noig b'chutz la'aretz. That when there's a yovel in Eretz Yisrael, so then there's yovel in chutz la'aretz. Bizman she'ena noig ba'aretz, ena noig b'chutz la'aretz. But if it's not um, being practiced in Eretz Yisrael, then it's not going to be practiced in chutz la'aretz either. Wow. 
Gishmak, friends, what do you think about that sugya? It's it very nice, right? Vilintia. So the, the Mishnah also says that the first day of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for Orla. That if you plant a um, tree, the first three years, um, you're not allowed to eat the fruits. The fourth year, it's Netaravai. It's like Maestro Shani Kilu. You have to like take it and bring it to Yushalayim and eat it there. And then from year five and on, you can just eat it however you'd like. Um, and we say that Rosh Hashanah for Orla is Tishrei. So comes Tishrei, it's already considered the next year. Fine. Now, um, Minolan, how do we know this? That Rosh Hashanah for Orla is from Tishrei. The Chsivs, the Pazak says, Shalosh Shanim Arelim, that for three years it's going to be Orla. For three years you're not allowed to eat the fruits. And then it says, Uvashana, and in the year, Haravias, the fourth year, uh, then it's Netaravai. So, Vyalif, Shana Shanami Tishrei. And we learn out, Akzeir Shava, that it says Shana by Orla slash Netaravai. Netaravai being that you have to take the fruits. Uh, the fourth year and bring them to Yishlam and eat them there. So it says Shana by Netaravai and it also says Shana by Tishrei. Tichsev is the Pasuk says Mereshis Ashane as we learned the other day from the beginning of the Shana of the year uh, by Tishrei. And therefore it says Shana by Tishrei it says Shana by Netaravai so we see that um, by Orla the Rosh Hashana is Tishrei. V'ligmar Shana Shana mi Nisan why don't we make Gzair Shava of Shana Shana from Nisan Tichsev is the Pasuk says Rishon Ulachim L'chodshe Ashana that it says that Nisan is the first for you for the months of the year. So why don't we say that by Orla and Etaravai, that Rosh Hashanah is Nisan. Donin Shana She'eni Machodashim, Mishana She'eni Machodashim, Ben Donin Shana She'eni Machodashim, Mishana She'eshi Machodashim. That we learn in our Gezei Shava Shana that doesn't have the word Chodashim by it, right? So for example, by Nisan it says, Rishonu Lachem L'chodshea Shana. It says Chodesh also by Shana. Whereas by Orla it says, Uva Shana Aravias. It says Shana doesn't say anything about Chodashim. When it comes to Tishrei it says, Meresh Shana Barach Shana. It doesn't say anything about months. So therefore, what we're saying is that for our Shava, we want to learn out Orla, which says year without months, from Tishrei where it says year without months. Do not learn out Orla where it says year without months from Nisan where there is year and months. So uh, that's how we know that, Rosh Hash- that the first of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for Orla. Friends, that was the test of Mesechta Rosh Hashanah. So um, the daf began with a machlokas uh, between, continuing on our machlokas between Rabbi Shmavon Hashem, Yochanan, and Broka and the Chachamim regarding um, Yovel. That what do we learn out from Yovel, he shnasa chamishim shana. So it says Rabbi Shmavon Hashem, Yochanan, and Broka that even though we... Um, uh, even though Yovel begins at the beginning of Tishrei, even before Yom Kippur, it does not extend um, after the year until Yom Kippur of the next year. No, only the 50th year, uh, no, no part of the 51st year. The rabbis who say that, well, Yovel doesn't actually come in at the beginning of Tishrei before Yom Kippur. So what do they learn out from this uh, limitation? What they're saying is that, well, the 50th year, right, Yovel Ishnasa Chamishim Shana, the fi- right, Yovel is the 50th year. It is not the 50th year and also the first year of the next Shemitah cycle. No, it is only the 50th year. The next Shemitah cycle begins next year. To the exclusion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Yovel is both the 50th year of the previous cycle, but also the first year of the um, next cycle. Now, um, in, in Rabbi Shmabonosh Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka's um, opinion, we had also mentioned the concept of Mosif Michol Ala Kodesh that we add from um, sort of non-holy days onto holy days. And we then explore what is the source for that. Rabbi Akiva says that the source for that is 
Now the Pasuk says in the context of Shabbos really, Bachar Shavakot Tishbos, that you have to rest from plowing and harvesting. Now um, it's it's clear to Rabbi Akiva that that is not a reference to Shabbos because on Shabbos you're not, you're like, right, right, the, the Malachos of Shabbos are much more than just plowing and harvesting. So why point out these two? So rather it must be talking about Shemitah, but then again, we also have a different Pasuk to say that you're not allowed to work your field in Shemitah. So what do we learn out from Kharish and Katsu by Shemitah? Says Rabbi Akiva that already there's certain plowing from, from before Shemitah that you're not allowed to do. This. So we're adding from the uh, uh, regular days onto holy days onto Shemitah and also um, fruits that grew already a third of the way on Shemitah are going to retain their holiness even after Shemitah. So we see that we add from um, um, mundane onto holy. Now Rabbi Shemal uh, Rabbi disagrees with Rabbi Akiva. He says that actually in the Pasuk by Shabbos is actually talking about Shabbos. And what it's saying is that on Shabbos, you're not allowed to plow and harvest volitionally. But if you have the Ketzirah Omer, harvesting the Omer offering, if the second day of Pesach is on Shabbos, well, you would be allowed to harvest the Omer offering on Shabbos because that is an obligation. It is not volitional. And then how does Rabbi Shmuel, then how does Rabbi Shmuel learn out uh, that we add from Michol um, al-Kodesh from unholy days unto holy days. So he learns it out from Yom Kippur. That by Yom Kippur says, Venisem is nafshusechem, betisha al-Kodesh, me'erev ad-erev, etc. So it says that we afflict ourselves on the ninth. How could it be that we afflict ourselves on the ninth? I thought we afflict ourselves on the tenth. So we already start on the ninth a little bit before Yom Kippur begins and we also extend it a little bit afterwards. And that's essentially how we learn out adding on to Yom Kippur. Also, we then extend it based on words in the Pasuk to Shabbos and to Yom Tif as well. Givalik. Um, Rabbi Akiva then, who learns out Tosfis, right, that we add on to, uh, from the, uh, unholy, un, from regular days onto holy days, he learns that out from Shemitah. And what does he do with the Pasuk of Inisim, Snafshusechem, Batisha, right, Lachodesh on the ninth day? So he learns out from there that anybody who eats and drinks on Yom Kippur, it's Ki'ilu, uh, I'm sorry, any, well, no, anybody who eats and drinks on Erev Yom Kippur, it's Ki'ilu, he afflicted himself for two days for both the ninth and the tenth of Tishrei. Then we moved on to an interesting sugya by Orla. Uh, no, by, um, 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 what's that called? Yovel. That Yovel, of course, is the 50th year of the, um, cycle. And the question, so there are sort of three things that need to go down on Yovel. In addition to the fact that you're not allowed to work the fields and stuff, also slave, every, uh, Jewish slaves go free. Also, um, properties that were purchased over the past 50 years go back to the original owners and Bezdin blows shofar on Yom Kippur. And the question is, do all three of these things need to take place in order for it actually to be Yovel? And if any of these things are missed, it won't, it will not be Yovel and you'll be able to continue to work your fields. Um, so Rabbi Yehuda says that of those three things, you have to, right, slaves must go free. The slave, if, if the slaves aren't freed, it's not Yovel. Rabbi Yossi disagrees, and he says that out of those three, Bezdin must blow shofar. If Bezdin does not blow shofar, it is not Yovel. Bezdin must blow shofar in order for it to be um, Yovel. And Rabbi Yossi gave two reasons for, 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 for why he says that it's dependent on Bezdin. One is that, well, you could have a situation where there are no Jewish slaves. And if there are, and if, it, if, if Yovel is dependent on there being Jewish slaves that go free, what if there are no Jewish slaves? Then Yovel is, uh, is stuck. And, um, secondly, um, how can we enforce that some Shmendrik in some far out place 
How can we enforce that he's going to free his slaves? What if he doesn't? Yovel, then what happens? It's not Yovel. So therefore we say it's much more practical to make it dependent on Bezdin, that Bezdin will blow Shofar and it becomes Yovel. If they don't, then it's not Yovel. But you know, it's one place to go to that we can rely upon that as long as they do what they need to do, it'll be Yovel. Rabbi Yehuda learns it out from Sukkim. He says, look, it says Yovel, he. He is the limiting word. And right before that, it says freeing slaves. So we see that the limitation is 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 to, related to what comes right before it in the Pasuk, which is um, freeing slaves. We then saw the opinion of the rabbis who actually say that all three are ma'akev, that you have to free the slaves, you have to blow shofar, and lands have to go back to the original owners, and if any of those are neglected, well then it is not yovel. What do they do with the inclusion from the word yovel? To say that, well, we include um, also outside of Eretz Yisrael. To say that... Um, to say that uh, Yovel applies also outside of Eretz Yisrael. And what that means is, right, what about Ba'aretz? It says specifically in Eretz Yisrael. What it means is that as long as there's Yovel in Eretz Yisrael, there's also Yovel outside of, outside of Eretz Yisrael. If there's no Yovel in Eretz Yisrael, then there's no Yovel outside of Eretz Yisrael. And finally, the Gemara taught um, how we know that the first of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for Orla, if you plant a new tree. So, come, right, that, uh, each year, right, for the first three years, you're not allowed to eat it. For the fourth year, you bring it to, 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 to Yushalayim. So, how do we know that, uh, that is depend, the counting of the years is dependent on the beginning of Tishrei? So, that is because it says Shana by Orla and Netaravayat also says Shana by Tishrei. And therefore, we learn out that the Rosh Hashanah by Orla and Netaravayat is Tishrei. Friends, that was our test of Mesech the Rosh Hashanah. Of course, I hope you enjoyed it very much. Have a great day. Peace out.